This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Millian. And this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. Now it's time to get an artist's perspective, because Name Three Songs wouldn't be here without the music. And today, we're finally back with another artist interview. And this is just a very lovely, wholehearted, wholesome discussion. And I'm excited for you guys to hear. Yeah, and it's always nice, like we've said before, to have a positive discussion about such frustrating topic. And it's nice to know that artists that we listen to and enjoy are feeling the same thoughts that we're feeling. So we know that the mission of Name Three Songs is not for nothing. And it's really exciting today because we are talking to Nina Nesbitt, who I personally have followed for quite some time. For those of you who don't know about Nina, she is a Scottish singer-songwriter and she got her start in the industry in like 2012. She actually got help being signed by Ed Sheeran, who she went and saw in concert and was like, hey, listen to my music, pay attention to me and he was like oh your music's really cool want to come on a european tour with me and she's like fuck yeah obviously i am (laughs) making this like way more of a nutshell than it is but i feel like that's like the best origin story ever of just like a young teen girl being so confident in her music to be like hey ed sheeran attention to me because that was like also the start of his career and he had already obviously had some success since he was touring Europe but obsessed with that but her story in the industry is similar to those that we've discussed in the past on this podcast of a young teen girl being promised the world by a record label and record execs putting out an album that does relatively well and then that label kind of putting them to the side because something newer and shinier appears. And so she's gone through the same trials and tribulations in the music industry that a lot of the women we celebrate on this podcast have gone through. And so we talk a bit about that today and how she kind of shrunk back from the industry while still taking like a backseat. So songwriting for artists like Olivia Holt, Ronan Keating, Jesse Ware, and Little Mix. So she's done a lot of songwriting herself. And then in 2019, she came back to the scene as a singer, putting her own voice back on her music. And now really excitingly, she has another new album coming out called Elscar, which will drop on September 2nd, which is really great. And this album is her like personal journey so we got some pop bangers we've got some emo goodness on there a bit of everything for everybody and she definitely gives us some insight into the industry that we haven't previously had so we're excited for you guys to hear this conversation we're sure you're gonna love it and with all this being said let's get right into it hi nina thank you for joining us today on name three songs hi thanks for having me we're so excited to talk today and so just to jump into like the nitty-gritty from the start you've been making music professionally whether as a singer or a songwriter for others for over a decade now and over that decade the topics of your songs have drastically shifted in a more progressive and feminist direction and so when i was googling like (laughs) nina nesbitt feminism there was like a tweet that came up for some reason from like 2015 about like a song that you've now made private from your your youtube channel that you just said was like quote about women i don't know what it was but it like had spurred Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what it was? 
It was a song called Trousers, I think. Okay. Because the only reason why I'm bringing it up is because it spurred, like, a little conversation between, like, you and one of your listeners just about how you were having, like, a personal journey with feminism. And I thought that was really interesting because I feel like a lot of people don't usually admit to, like, not understanding what feminism is when it's, like, a huge topic that's, like, hard to understand. And it is a journey to figure out, like, feminist theory and, like, your views on feminism and all that sort of stuff. So do you remember, like, what first sparked your interest in, like, understanding feminism? do you know what i don't think no i'm confused at what that was now actually but i remember doing an interview when i was like 18 this must have been like 2012 Mm -hmm. and it was the outrage i think of like miley cyrus being not like disney anymore yeah yeah and they did a whole article asking people like how they felt and i was like yes no like i don't want to flaunt my body and stuff because I thought that was like unfeminist Mm -hmm. and then I grew up a bit and I was like oh actually no like that's so feminist do you know what I mean I think maybe it was about that I think I deleted it because I wasn't going to release it it wasn't anything bad it was actually a good song (laughs) and it was about when I went to a club I think this was like my feminist awakening (laughs) not this particular event like this time in my life yeah and I went to a club and it's not even that interesting the story, but I was wearing trousers and heels. Like I was dressed up. I was very like, you know, I wasn't casual. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like nice leather trousers. And the girl at the door was just so rude. She was like, you can't come in. I was like, why? She was like, you need to be wearing a skirt. And I was like, eh? Whoa. She was like, yeah, no, you can't get in wearing trousers. And I was like, but all these men are wearing trousers. She was like, no, sorry. And I was, I just remember thinking it was so weird because I wasn't dressed down. And I was like, yeah. how's it? All right. Like, I'm literally wearing heels. And then I did a tweet about it being like, oh, I <laughs> just got like knocked back from a club for wearing trousers. And then I wrote a song. It was basically just like, do you know, like how people say women wear the trousers yeah. in a relationship? Mm-hmm. But it was like using it as a metaphor, I guess. You could probably find it somewhere about... I can't even remember the lyrics, but it was like using it as a metaphor. Like, we're always wearing the trousers because we're always in control like yeah. of our own yeah. situation. Anyway, I think I got rid of it because it was like a really shitty video of me in my bathroom. <laughs> so yeah, But I still stand by the song. But yeah, that was definitely like the time when I started to kind of change my opinions on things and like unpick things that I thought I don't think I was ever like unfeminist but I definitely think there was a few things that I maybe had got wrong and changed my mind on I feel like that time period in general like 2014 around that time was when a lot of pop stars were being asked like are you a feminist and so then it was kind of like a hot topic because it was like if you didn't totally understand like everything that represented I think some pop stars were afraid to say they were and it became like a kind of a controversial thing at the time definitely and I think in my head I almost had like the male perspective of what a feminist was yeah do you know what I mean and I think at that time I then gained the female perspective on what a feminist was so like how much clothing you wear stuff like that like dating too many people yeah changed my opinion on all of those things I'm just kind of like why why am I worried about that yeah because I mean it doesn't help that like the media and all that sort of stuff like anytime a woman does anything that a guy would do and it be seen as like a feat or whatever when a woman does it it's like oh you're being gross like why are you doing that yeah and like I remember being 17 and starting to play festivals and you know for years being the only girl in the lineup and not thinking twice Mm. I just thought Uh, oh like I don't know there's just not that many female artists about I don't know it it didn't even cross my mind and then a few years later obviously people started talking about these things and I was like 
oh my god where are they all where are we (laughs) do you know what I mean and it's definitely something I've become more aware of and the more you look into it the more you're like fucking hell it's quite interesting and alarming yeah I mean there's so many disparities between like how many men are allowed to be successful and how many women are allowed to be successful and I that's like been a topic we've also talked a bit about like on this podcast about how there always seems to be that expectation that like two women should be against each other if they make the same type of music and how more recently there's been more like camaraderie between these women of being like no there's space for all of us like we don't have to be butting heads because we do the same sort of thing yeah I feel massively like I experienced that at the beginning of my career. I got signed maybe 2011, 2012. It was me, a girl called Gabrielle Aplin as well, doing similar-ish music. And oh my God, like our labels were trying to continuously put us against each other. I remember someone saying to me, like, we should start an Oasis Blur thing. Like, start. Oh my God. And I was like, eh? Like, I like... (laughs) I like her music. I like her as a person. I'm like, well, there's only space for one of you on the radio playlist and stuff like that. And it's just like creating a really like horrible environment for a yeah. woman to exist in. And then it's awkward when you see each other because it's like, do we like something weird? Well, yeah, like, <laughs> I like you. <laughs> do you like me? Yeah. And like, I never got any weird vibes from her, of, of course. But like, yeah, just everything around it felt like we were just continually being up against each other it's not just her like it's happened with several artists but i feel like nowadays hand on heart i can say like if an artist comes out with similar type of music i'm just like oh great like i'm there's no like oh my god like there's only space for one of us i don't have those feelings anymore i feel like there's not even that like i don't even get that from the industry around me it's just inspired by them want to collaborate with them it's just not really i don't feel like it's really a thing at the moment for me anyway yeah i feel like we've come such a far away since gosh in the past 10 years even like it's still crazy to think that like around 10 years ago like feminism was kind of like a questionable dirty word like in the mainstream at least and now we've gotten to the point where we're realizing like no if we all support each other we all come up together everyone's success supports everyone else yeah it massively feels like that something i did on my last album headline tour i had a different female support act every single night and it was people that i guess like five years ago would have been seen as competitors by yeah. a label etc and we all just came together and then we sang a song at the end like a duet during the set and it was honestly just so nice like by the end of the tour I just had all the pictures with them all and I was like oh this is just like a full circle lovely Love moment that. yeah it was lovely yeah because I mean like there's so much power in female camaraderie and female friendship and I feel like the patriarchy in a lot of ways was like no if we let them be friends they'll realize that they have more power and then (laughs) then this will be bad totally I always get so excited when I have a writing session with another female artist or like another writer who's kind of like at the same stage of their career as me because I feel like the chat's just going to be great. Like, we're going to yeah. have so much to talk about. It just makes you feel less alone. It's quite nice. Yeah. I mean, kind of on that note, you got into the industry, like, when you were so young still. Do you feel like coming up, things have changed over the years as far as, like, the writing rooms you're in and, like, the type of people you're surrounded by? Not fully, but yeah. When I first started, no one took me seriously because I was so young and I was doing pop music. And I'd walk into a room and pick up an instrument and people would be like, oh, oh, you play. And I'm like, yeah <laughs> play guitar <laughs> you know like, that's shocking. So cute. <laughs> yeah <laughs> or like we'd finish the day and I think it gone really well and they go oh you're actually a good writer and it's like obviously meant as a compliment but I'm like yeah also you thought I was bad yeah yeah I don't know 
it was quite strange that and then when I started doing production stuff that was another thing that was just quite yeah I don't know like I feel like half of the writers and stuff like that were really supportive and oh you should keep going with it and and then a few were just like oh oh like you do that so yeah I don't know it's quite strange I feel like it's definitely better in terms of there's female engineers there's female mixers I have a girl called Manon who's amazing who mixes most of my stuff there's female producers obviously that you can work with and it's nice to be able to get in a room especially on this last album I think this is probably about half and half male and female and it was so nice to just talk to people my age that go through similar things and I feel like the songs are probably different lyrically because we've kind of bounced off each other so yeah that's definitely been really really nice and also just to have really supportive men involved in the album that encouraged me and usually I'd be like embarrassed to ask for a production point I don't know why I just have this like complex about it but this time I was like well I have actually produced some of this song so I would kind of mention it and then without even asking they all were like it's a co-production and we're just so supportive so yeah it feels like it's definitely moving in the right direction that's really amazing to hear and I know that there's a lot of women in the industry who over the past couple years have learned how to do production themselves so that way they can have more of like a hand in their music I know Ariana Grande has talked a lot about this about how there's always been that assumption around her because of like the persona she gives off to the world that like oh she doesn't put a lot of her own work into her music so she's been learning production and she's like yeah now I'll go into the studio and want to like help with the producing of my own song and people get weird about it and she's like why do you expect me like not to be able to do that so it's always nice to like hear women discuss it more in the industry because I feel like a lot of young girls who are coming up might be interested in that stuff and think like oh it's not for me but it can be yeah I think that's why I'm not very confident about saying I'm a producer because from a young age it was kind of instilled in me that the girls were like the female pop stars who sung and danced and then the songs were all written by male songwriters probably double their age and then produced and then the label was all male like that was kind of the setup back in the day so trying to like actually go no that doesn't have to be the way those people like Imogen Heap's a huge inspiration Mm. for me because I think she's like literally the only female producer I was aware of growing up when I was a little bit older and just knowing like someone's done it and she's taken seriously she's respected she's obviously incredible at what she does and to have that was really helpful but I feel like now for the younger generation there's so many more female producers that can inspire them whether it's like you know they're flicking through TikTok and they see someone or it's like you know an artist knowing that they're involved I think is more inspiring than they'll know. Yeah, I also feel like the definition of a producer is like pretty loose. And I think like, especially young people in the industry don't necessarily know like where those lines fall. And so you're saying it's like, well, if if there's like an older person in the room telling you like, no, this is how this done, you just think that's the way. And then like, once you get older, you kind of realize like, maybe I have been producing my own music and I just haven't been getting credit for it. And it's one of those things where it's like, women don't always have the resources or like don't always feel empowered to like speak up and advocate for themselves and that's something we have to learn for ourselves and like hopefully instill in the younger generation also yeah definitely I think it's so easy to just leave it and be like oh whatever it's fine but this one I really push myself to be like no I produced that there's literally like stems from my logic project yeah. in that <laughs> it's Amazing. a production but I'm really lucky as well that I have 
a really good team like a management team my manager who's managed me for like 10 years she's like a no bullshit female manager and if I'm like oh I don't know she's like nope nope this is your work we'll say it is <laughs> luckily I don't have to do that on this album but yeah she's definitely been like a good kind of push it's so good to be able to surround yourself with like supportive women because again like we said that's been so long like something that hasn't really been something people have had access to in the music industry or like knowing that that's even a thing but also I did want to talk about the idea of like any woman who makes pop music at all there's always like the expectation of like the writing room being just like a group of old men who don't really understand women's issues but like write songs for women because I mean like throughout history pop stars songwriters have been men rather than themselves or even if like they are involved it's always pushed to the side because people are like oh they were just in the room like that's why they have a writing credit on that like they don't actually have anything to do with it and you talked to Nylon in 2019 kind of about this like idea of people being surprised that like you write your own music even though your music feels very raw and special to you and so like oh how has the idea that you could possibly like not write your stuff how has that affected you throughout your career of like having that expectation that you didn't do it even though you did it's definitely made me work harder I feel like the last album the sun will come up the scenes will change that one because I'd been dropped and I felt like everyone thought it was a joke and I was like no I can't leave it there I've got to make an album that I'm proud of and I feel like is something that represents my music because I had gotten songwriting for two years before making that last album I'd written so much and it kind of taught me like I can write on my own it's fine Mm -hmm. and I made a point of writing I think I wrote like I can't even remember like a lot of that just 100% me in my bedroom at home and I just wanted to like not prove a point but just like almost prove to myself you can do it and the first song I put out was The Moments Are Missing which the label and everyone was like oh I don't know if it's like the strongest song should maybe come back with a bang I was like no it's really important we put this out first because it's written and produced by me and I feel like that's like a statement that I want to make and I just think that made people take me a lot more seriously and kind of just realise that I actually do my own stuff. So yeah, that was definitely a good moment. And then obviously there's some on this record as well. Yeah, it's definitely made me work harder and kind of really push myself to to do that. I feel like Taylor Swift did that with her second album. She wrote and produced it or I know she definitely wrote it. I think she produced it as well. Just to be like I write my own songs and hearing her say that's ridiculous because obviously she writes her own songs. But yeah, it's definitely a a common theme. It just made me think of Taylor Swift to this day. I think it was, Sarah, was it Damien Albarn? From, yeah, Damon Albarn, yeah. From, from, from yeah, he, he like did an interview like within the last year that was like making the assumption that Taylor Swift doesn't write her songs. And I was like, really? Like in her like 10 year career, we're still <laughs> talking about this. I know it's, it's very bizarre. And I mean, there is like the trend going around right now where rather than people being like, oh, this girl's inauthentic in that she's a pop star so she doesn't write her own songs the internet mob is now obsessed with like the industry plant idea of being like oh they came out of nowhere we don't know anything about that and it's usually about women so there's lots of like misogyny underlying it and being like oh they can't have their own creative ideas like what's going on here i find that so weird that whole industry plant thing because it's like you have all been listening to what you consider industry plants your whole life true but it's been like marketed to you in a very like organic way that's made you think you've discovered it but actually like this person's probably been signed for years and it's probably like 
been bubbling away and building it very organically so that people think they've discovered it and it's like it's not any different than that Mm -hmm. but it's like obviously the music industry does recognize talent and they hear songs before they come out and they know what's coming and of course some people are going to get picked and get put out there and get a budget and isn't that great that they're kind of getting promoted i feel like why is it why is it a negative thing that someone's being promoted (laughs) yeah in like the 90s or the early 2000s it was like sell out (laughs) yeah it was the same thing it was like oh they're just selling out because now they have a a label supporting them yeah it's mad i I don't understand that logic at all yeah it's so weird and i mean and it's like an idea that's gone back for decades like the runaways were always referred to as an industry plant because like they were formed like they had tryouts for their band and like and then just like what like Joan Jett and Sherry Curry like they're all so talented shut up and so it's just funny how like this is like a common occurrence where they just kind of like keep rebranding the idea of industry plant and yell about it anytime they like question the authenticity of like specifically a female artist it is bizarre I feel like everything's a marketing campaign now as well like even the people that you think you've discovered organically they're probably purposely posting content like that to appear below the radar do you know what i mean like i feel like tiktok has changed so much well obviously tiktok has changed so much of how the music industry works but also how fans like interact with music and i feel like that's why people are starting to question so much because of like trending songs or like viral songs and it's like where did this person come from like is a label paying people to post about this song yeah i mean you just don't know do you i know a lot of labels put spend onto not like influencers but yeah influencers or random accounts that have lots of followers because i guess that's your new it's your new tv advert or your new billboard in a way yeah it's the new tastemaker yeah and so like talking about this pop star idea like these quote-unquote industry plants which are really just pop stars because people are like oh it's like created in a lab another topic that we love to discuss is like the glass box that female pop stars are like kind of expected to exist in where like they can't be too sexy but they can't be too demure and they can't be too self-assured yet they're not allowed to lack confidence so there's no winning so you in 2019 interview with mary claire when you were discussing your song empire you said that if females in pop are like i believe in myself and i think this album's great it's perceived that it's really cocky or arrogant which definitely happens a lot and so essentially when you wrote that song you were kind of like kicking the nonsense idea aside that women in pop can't be too confident because it's off-putting because like Uh, whatever and I mean also in that regard men and women in pop they'll make the same sort of music they'll have like the same sort of ideas of oh this is like a confident person doing this thing and yet the women are so judged about it and there's so much more scrutiny placed on y'all for it yeah definitely I feel like I wanted to write that song to kind of almost like manifest what I wanted if you know what I mean like I had like a total shift in I think like 2015 2016 because I was really depressed after being dropped and I was like oh well fuck it like my career's over I'll just write for other people because I like doing that and my manager I remember her saying to me have you read the secret do you know the secret the book where it's like visualizing like putting things out there I was like no it's ridiculous it's not gonna happen she was like just think of things you want and write them down and then come back to it and just keep it in your head like keep thinking positive and I did it and then within a year I'd achieved like literally all of the things and I was like back I was like positive thinking actually does work obviously not all the time you're not obviously going to get everything you want but like the power of your own thoughts it was crazy I don't want to sound all happy but it was was an awakening and then I was like well I need to be more confident then I need to put there what I want to receive back and that song was kind of like 
that type of thing and yeah like I feel like that album brought me so many successes and experiences so I think it is a fine line isn't it of not wanting to be arrogant or cocky because actually inside I'm like doubting everything that I'm doing but I think yeah you need to have a bit of confidence about you otherwise no one else is gonna believe you yeah yeah definitely and so you also you keep bringing up the label dropping of it all and you've talked about how like you've had a lot of negative thoughts about it because you were like handing songs in and they were just like passing on them like young women will sign to record deals they'll promise them the world they'll be like we're gonna give you everything you'll put out a record the record will do well but then they'll get like distracted by someone else and then be like oh never mind and so like how in your time away like when you were songwriting for other people like did you heal from like those negative thoughts and like deal with them within yourself so that you can make music again for you? Yeah I think the main thing for me was like me as an artist is the same as me as a person Mm -hmm. so to be told like you're not good enough or you know it's not working made me just think I'm not good enough do you know what I mean like and it was just so bad for my like self-confidence and wanting to even continue doing it and then writing for other people just took the pressure off like just get in a room and write with other artists you know actually see they're going probably through the same things and just kind of picking up on what your strengths are what your weaknesses are and then getting cuts like getting songs released with other people and thinking oh well the songs are coming out maybe it's me that's the problem (laughs) do you know what I mean and then I did a lot of pitching songs out so you just send them to the publishers and they send them round and we got a few on hold by like literally some of my icons and I was like nah I've got I've got to put something out if they can be good enough for these people like yeah they gotta be good enough to come out so the last album was kind of written that way and that just I think it just gave me confidence to kind of think oh must be okay then if these people want to cut them and also just like being in the room with other creative people every day and I think everyone kind of goes through the same things and just feeling like I had like a bit of a community around me it's such a fine line and such a learning experience for people because if we think about like a lot of today's pop stars even like Taylor Swift like while they do give us so much of themselves like in their music at a certain point it's almost like their public figure becomes a persona and I feel like it kind of has to do with what you're saying about like all of the criticism and all of the things people will say about you like even if it starts out where it's like you know me as a singer and me as a person is the same thing it might then evolve into there being a little bit of space between the two just to kind of like save your personal self a little bit yeah definitely I wish that I'd given myself a pseudonym when I started (laughs) so that I could separate it but I think putting yourself out there on like social media and making an album and being that vulnerable is really scary. Like I actually feel physically sick about putting this album out. (laughs) (laughs) But um, also why else would you make an album if not to like write something honest? Otherwise, what's the point? There's so much music out there anyway. So yeah, as you know, it's quite a weird thing it's hard to kind of separate yeah I mean also recently in your interview with the line of best fit you were talking about writing this album Elskar and you were saying that it felt like a form of therapy during the writing process and that you had tried kind of like traditional therapy and it didn't work for you as much um and so I'm kind of interested like from your perspective when you're writing so many songs that are so personal and like so vulnerable is there a point where it's almost so true to you that like you couldn't not release it. Like I'm sure there's music that's like only like probably, you know, it's a very personal like only for you. But I just feel like there comes a point where artists realize like they have to be them true selves and release music that's true to them. 
yeah I feel like that now more than ever because there just is so much out there so it's like how do you not even cut through but how do you put something out there worth releasing yeah and yeah I always want to just write like I'm so inspired by artists that do that I'm so inspired by like Alanis Morissette Dolly Parton people like that Brandy Carlisle people that really just wear their heart on their sleeve yeah so I think that's always my aim with music but it's quite uh it's easy to write when it's that personal but it's like hard to release if that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) I definitely have a few that will never come out so in that regard like do you feel like just getting it down on paper and into like the form of a song is enough of a catharsis for you like putting them out is just like a bonus opportunity to like share that to like people who might feel similarly yeah I feel like I'm very torn when it comes to releasing stuff especially the recent stuff because it is quite vulnerable and like quite open and yeah it literally feels like therapy to write it a lot of the time I just write from like a stream of consciousness Mm -hmm. I heard Alanis Morissette I think you ought to know she wrote in that way and I found it really interesting and I tried it and then this album ended up like most of it was written that way so we'll just like pick up an instrument or whatever find like a little loop that I like and I'll just sing until the song's written so it's just like literally just from the subconscious whatever is going on in there and sometimes I'll be like I didn't even know I was feeling that or I didn't know that needed to come out wow I've been harboring that for a while so that is like kind of therapy to me I guess like I did try therapy for something in particular last year and I felt like it helped a bit in terms of getting things off my chest but after a while I just felt like as kind of dwelling on things yeah. um, someone that kind of likes to just move on and which is quite bad actually bottle up everything but yeah songwriting I was kind of like well I'm doing that with songwriting anyway just getting it all out so yeah, yeah that's good but then putting it out is nerve-wracking because I don't know I don't like feeling vulnerable or like feeling exposed i don't know why i'm doing this to be honest but here we are i mean for me just posting on tiktok i'm like oh my god i'm literally like honestly i got loads of hate on tiktok about uh, maybe like a year and a half ago for a video did i don't even know why because it wasn't offensive just people didn't like it and oh my god i felt like i was back at high school the anxiety i literally had a panic attack and my boyfriend was like it's fucking like social media it's fine it's not real and i was like oh my god i don't know why i'm so triggered and oh honestly the stress of posting it's yeah Yeah, it's not the one but then there's a bit of me with putting music out there's like 90% of me that's like don't want to put this out don't want people knowing (laughs) but then there's the 10% of me that's like but what if people feel the same what if they've gone through the same thing there's a bit of me that like just wants people almost like the validation of people to say yeah I felt that too yeah because that's a good feeling okay I'm gonna give you some validation (laughs) so then I'm gonna give you some validation (laughs) um (laughs) So on your album, you have a song called Older Guys on it and you've performed this live and I was listening to it on YouTube the other day. And this is a topic that Jenna and I are both very passionate about, about like this issue of the romanticization of age gap relationships, like by Hollywood so that people in real life think that it's acceptable. And a lot of the times like teen girls are the ones consuming this media. 
And I think like Pretty Little Liars or Lolita or these like TV shows and films and books where the man is like old enough to know better and the girl is too young yeah. to even like her brain be fully formed. And it's just like, oh, this cool dude with a cool car is interested in me. How exciting. <laughs> you're just like a teen girl and this man has power, whether that be that they're your teacher or like, I don't even know, like some cool dude in college or whatever the case is where like he's getting you access to something. And then like in Hollywood, of course, it's like, the more powerful man in like the industry or whatever with like the less powerful person but like in the song you have this line that's like you were just a girl in love with a man and that line just hit me like a ton of bricks because like these girls feel like they're falling in love with someone when the man's just kind of using them for like their youth and this idea of honestly like a power trip in a lot of ways and so mm. I feel like it's such an important topic that's not talked about enough because people are always just like romanticizing it and the patriarchy's like, oh, but we, we don't want to we don't want to talk about this too much because then men won't get to do this. And it's so frustrating. And so it's so incredible and so important that a song like this is coming out. Oh, thank you. I'm really glad that you like listened to it and picked up on it in that way, because when I was writing it, I, I wasn't even really thinking it. it's one of those ones that just came out. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't even know I felt like that or I felt like it was almost like from like the inner child, like yeah. just coming yeah. out. And yeah, I listened back to it and I was like, wow, it's literally said everything I want to say. And then when I played it, I had like mostly a really good reaction. And I like you said, like I had a lot of girls coming up to me like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that happened to me. But then like I definitely had a few guys message me like, what's that about? Like, what's that supposed to be about? And now it's made me really nervous to release it because I'm like, oh my God, if I like said the wrong thing, I don't know. But it's my honest feelings. So whatever, it's coming out. Yeah. But yeah, it's really interesting because like what you said about the power thing. Yeah. I feel like I don't even really know what to say about it apart from what I've said in the song. It's yeah. just like a really interesting subject for me. And I feel like it's also one that's quite difficult to put into words because it's very yeah. complex I feel like it's one of these things that's like this dynamic has kind of been happening forever but this is one of the first time that we're starting to see female artists write about it in songs and like be more comfortable like talking about it publicly and I feel like part of that has to do with how far we've come with feminism and like women starting to be able to have a platform and starting to be able to share their stories and it's like I feel like this kind of trope is something that I mean I don't want to say everyone, but like probably a lot of women have experienced at one point in their life. And it's like, because it's not talked about, you just don't know. And also when you're that age, you just don't realize. And then it's like, you grow up a few years down the road and you look back on it and you're like, that was kind of weird. Or like, yeah. that was kind of messed up. And so I think I'm just grateful that like, we have people like you who are using their platforms to like, to talk about these things that just haven't been talked about. Oh, well, thank you. I feel like... For me, it was obviously being just 28 now, turned 28 last month, and having passed through the ages that the guys that were interested in me were. Yeah. yeah. Or even, you know, some of them may be older, but like just passing through that age and thinking if this was the other way around, like me at this age dating someone or pursuing someone that was the age as I was that's fucking weird yeah. do you know what I mean yeah. and it just made me think about it all really but like you say it's not really about like one person in particular yeah. it's more the whole subject yeah, like, like I didn't want it to be too direct yeah I wanted it to be like it's a story 
of yeah. the subject because I definitely know like literally everyone I'm friends with is we were all chatting like I have a group chat with the girls we all went to school together and we've grown up together we all live in London now and we were like oh isn't it weird that you know when we were like 14 15 16 like I feel like I had the most male attention yeah. that I'd ever had between like 14 and 17 yep yeah. And it's fucking weird looking back. Yeah. 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 So anyway, wrote a song about it. It's coming out. Like we said, it's it's really important and it's really nice that you wrote it. And at least for me, it's just like it so broadly covers like the things where it's like, oh, he's cool because like he's in uni and like it's cool because he has this cool car and all these things that are always the thing where like they try and impress you because they're like, oh, look at me like driving my fancy car that I pay for with my job. And it's like the fact you have a job that can afford for you to pay for a car Mm. means that you should not be talking to me. (laughs) Literally, I feel like as well, now that I've kind of I've had the song for a while and I've listened to it and stuff and I've done a couple interviews and people picked up on it. I feel like I wish that I'd heard something about it when I was younger because I feel like I don't know if it's the time we were in but like I felt so much pressure to grow up too quickly and to be an adult and do things maybe I wasn't really ready for and I feel like now looking back I just I hope anyone of that age or whatever age can listen to it and just be reminded like they don't need to rush like you've got all the time in the world you don't need to try and be older than you are but yeah I was I was desperate to be like 21 yeah 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 (laughs) um I can remember the feeling but I was curious if you felt like also being in the music industry at that age it was almost like a double pressure yeah I think so I think because I'd really only just kind of left school so Yeah. yeah definitely it's quite an interesting entrance into the music industry. I feel like there was a lot going on. Yeah, just trying to find out who I was and um, the type of music I wanted to make. I came from like a little village in Scotland where everyone's like really nice and <laughs> said hi in the morning. <laughs> and then I entered like the music industry, moved to London and was like, oh, okay, this is how this works. Okay. So yeah, it was definitely like a lot of pressure at that age. Yeah. And I mean, also, it's like we grew up in like tabloid culture where we're seeing like the celebrities that we love, everything that they do is judged and written about and picked apart and all that fun stuff. So that also doesn't really help because on top of being young in the industry, it's like there wasn't, especially when you started like that great of building blocks available because there is that like fear of like the tabloids like looming over because you see like stars prior to that and I mean especially at the start of your career like you were written up a lot on Daily Mail and like still now if you show up at like any event they're like that's the other thing it's like every time we interview anybody I'm like their name and Daily Mail just to see like if Daily (laughs) Mail cares and it's like still even it's like if you show up at an event there's always like there'll be a photo with a caption and the captions like sexualized for literally no reason and so like I just don't I can never wrap my head around it like as somebody who like myself has worked like as a photo person like for those sort of news outlets where I'm just getting them the pictures and then I see the like copy that they put with them and I'm like what the fuck are we doing like you are a nice person (laughs) like why are you writing this nonsense and so I mean like on the two sides of it it's like number one growing up with like that tablet culture do you think that that affected your mindset on like what the music industry was going to be and then once you were written about in that way like what was that like I remember the worst one was when I was on holiday I think I was like 19 or something 
and I think my debut album's about to come out. Mm-hmm. And I was on holiday, and I was uh, you've probably seen it come up. I was in a, a mismatched bikini yeah. with my hair like on top of my head. Honestly, didn't even think there'd be anyone there. Obviously, I was in a random country on a beach. Just nobody obviously knew I was there. I didn't think I was at that level of my career, to be quite frank. <laughs> and I had like this bandeau thing so like my chest was like fully pushed out it wasn't even a bikini didn't give a fuck I was on holiday and then the next day like I went onto Twitter and I had loads of tweets being like oh hope you're enjoying your holiday and I was like what um and someone sent me the link and I was just absolutely mortified like I was so mortified I thought I looked horrific in the photos and I just felt like it was such like a violation of my bikini bod (laughs) <laughs> to be fair <laughs> and then i made the mistake of clicking on the comments oh God. and they have still stuck with me to this day they were horrific like i don't even wow. know how people are okay who are in the daily mail every day it was like she looks like a 12 year old boy like flat chest oh dear honestly i was like so insecure about my boobs for the next seven years at least genuinely yeah. from that but yeah there's there's all sorts out there really the thing that's annoying is you have no control over what they put out there. Yeah. But I think it's really good with having your own social media now. If anyone says anything ridiculous, you can kind of just be like, that's not a thing. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you have like any apprehension like as you were getting into the music industry about it? Or did you not really realize it until it ha- was happening? I didn't really think about it, to be honest. I literally left school, had my YouTube channel went to college for like two months and then I was on tour like it literally just happened almost Mm. overnight so I didn't really have time to think I also didn't really know how things worked yeah so not really I just kind of was going with it and hoping for the best learning on the job that's fair and I feel like there's also always that like assumption that somebody's like tipped off the paparazzi to like that person being in that place or whatever the case is and so there's like, oh, they're not going to photograph me because these are all planned in one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that. I always thought like I'd heard of people tipping off paparazzi. Yeah. But obviously I didn't tip off the paparazzi <laughs> yeah. in a fucking mismatched bikini, <laughs> nor have I ever. So I can confirm that. Uh, I was like, nah, it's got to be the label. Someone's done this because I've got an album coming out. <laughs> But then my manager oh was my like, God. if we were going to do that, we would have told you to put a nice bikini on. Yeah. Oh so, God. no, that, uh, it's definitely not always yeah, a thing. Yeah, like organic paparazzi moments do exist. And it's like you said, it's like you don't assume that you're important enough for it no. to happen until it does. And then you're like, my career's just started. Like, why do you care about me being on a <laughs> beach? Literally, literally, like, mortified. My mum was chasing away the paparazzi who was like lying in a bush like go away we're on a private holiday i was like oh my god so crazy oh my god i just remember miley cyrus said something similar when she did that like 2012 vmas performance where she was in like a nude essentially kind of like bikini it was like a nude thing and she said that same thing online comments were so awful it made her never want to wear shorts like for years after that yeah i feel like it really sticks with you i've definitely had a few that have like stuck and it's it's just the worst because you just know like the people who are leaving those types of comments just like are vile and have no life and like need to be doing better things to better themselves and instead they're they're online leaving wonderful comments 
Yeah. I just think, like, as a rule, no one should ever read tabloid comments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Just, like, comment sections are dangerous. And so, like, once you were aware of tabloids acknowledging your existence, and, like, since you have been, like, very inspired by Taylor Swift, and, like, she's always been a tabloid favorite, and they write about her in ways that they would never dare write about, like, men in the industry. Do you think, like, once you became aware, like, okay, the tabloids are paying attention to me, like, this is how they've treated, like, artists that I look up to, do you feel like in the back of your head even a little bit that it maybe affected how you went about your life as a public figure? Yeah, I feel like I used to not really care. Like, I wanted to be, like, as known as possible with my music. And I think as I've got older... And kind of like after, to be honest, like having viral moments on TikTok and stuff like that and getting abuse online. I mean, I don't really get much, but when I do, it just, I don't know, like I just don't want it. I don't want to be at that stage of my career where I can't leave the house or that I'm written about weekly. Like I just, I don't want that. Mm. I'd rather be less successful and have like a really solid fan base of people that really care about my music and it's like a nice little community. Like, I genuinely, as I've got older, could not think of anything worse. I think it, I don't have the right personality for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't I shrug it off. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so let's hope nothing happens. <laughs> oh my God. I love that you say that. With, so, like, for Jenna and I promoting this podcast, like, obviously, we have to, we have to post on TikTok a lot. And so whenever Jenna mm-hmm. has an idea and she's like, I want to make a TikTok, I'm like, do it. I'll handle the comments. I'm like, I've been bullied on the yeah. internet since I was like 12. <laughs> like, I can handle this. Like, you're good. I like post it. I run in the other room. Like, I don't check for days. I mean, it's great. It's a great platform for getting out there, getting heard. I just think I'm too sensitive. I'm a Cancerian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think also it's like... At first, it'll be seen by, like, the people who should see it. And people will be, like, have the same opinions as you and, like, same thought, like, same sort of, like, mind. <laughs> like, live in the same mind palace sort of situation. And then, like, once it starts to grow traction, then people who have opposing views or just, like, to start shit for no reason appear. And they're, like, well, actually. And you're, like, no. No. I know. <laughs> and that's fine. Like, everyone is so different. Like, my opinion isn't right. Do you know what I yeah. mean? But... I don't want to hear them. Like, I don't want to hear them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the assumption that since you are a public figure, that people can have access to you. And so, therefore, it's like, oh, well, you're putting yourself out here. So, therefore, you have to hear my opinion. And it's like, no, I don't need to hear your opinion, like, internet commenter. That's not true. Yeah. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because you are, you're putting yourself out there to spark a conversation. Yeah. Or promote something. Unfortunately, sometimes... Not everyone agrees, yeah, which is fine. But I just feel like I'm not that person that wants a debate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just want to live in my own little bubble, really. <laughs> I don't blame you. People on the internet are scary. But I mean, the other thing is, though, is like the topics of like your songs are important discussions to have. But like it is always shitty to like realize that there are still people out there who 
disagree with things that are like very forward momentum e type conversations. And so, I mean, when you released your music video for your song Pressure Makes Diamonds in June, the song focuses a lot on like the tropes with the media and the patriarchy love to correlate with women aging. So it's like from the expectations to settle down, buy a house, have a baby and essentially give up your career as an artist. And so we actually recently did an episode of our podcast about how millennials and female millennial pop stars in particular are like reclaiming their 30s and defining what that means in their own terms rather than like society's expectations. So some artists like being like Adele, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, like they're all kind of just being like aging is allowed because for so long, like pop stars kind of like went into pseudo retirement after they hit like 25 and then maybe they would come out the other side as like a public figure where like the world's like oh we remember you like go on a reunion tour or whatever mm-hmm. and so does this like momentum where women are being allowed to age in public allowed to write music about like what aging is like and like the fact that it's normal like does it give you a future hope for the possibilities of women defying like age and expiration dates and all that sort of stuff yeah definitely and I feel like it's something I have to continuously battle with in my head like my own thoughts Mm -hmm. because it's so programmed into me like oh you'll probably have until you're like 25 so I feel like I have to I'm like reprogramming still because I still feel like I'm a bit old for that now am not I or whatever with certain things and it's like no like I'm literally in my 20s (laughs) it's fine and having you know people like that like Lady Gaga, Taylor Swift who are going into their 30s and still absolutely smashing it is very inspiring I feel like as well on this album some of it is quite poppy and like younger and I wrote when I was like 24, 25 but then as it goes on there's more like mature themes such as like heirlooms, the thought of like motherhood which is something that I wouldn't really necessarily think about writing but I was like well I'm 27 going on 28 I want to write about things that I'm curious about or that are like actually happening in my life because people still listen to music over 25 (laughs) it's fine (laughs) yeah this is very true because I feel like for so long like pop music has always been equated with like youth and like fun and like escapism and now we're seeing these artists and yourself included kind of changing the narrative of like no i can still write about what i'm going through and still make pop music like those don't have to be two separate things yeah definitely and i think you don't have to be just one thing either it doesn't need to all be pop bangers there can be space for like the more singer songwriter stuff or whatever but yeah i think at the end of the day like it's real people that are listening to music and people experience these things i think i have like a similar fan base to what i had when i was younger so they've grown up with me yeah probably going through the same things why wouldn't i write about it but yeah it feels unnatural sometimes to write about things that aren't like love or whatever (laughs) 10 years ago it was like oh you're a 25 year old woman music's not for you anymore sorry literally like x factor (laughs) over 25s category Oh my god. I don't know if you had that. Oh my god. We had that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so I've, se- I've seen yeah. you talk about that on like TikTok and in other interviews and stuff. And like, it's, it's so funny. Like, even when you're 18, like the idea of being like 25 feels so far away. Then when you hit 25, mm-hmm. you're like, I'm literally five years old in adult years. Like, I have no idea yeah. what I'm doing. Why is X Factor <laughs> making me be in the same category as like 60 year olds? Like, it's literally. So, like, so unhinged. And it's so, like, they with their whole chest prove that the music industry is so ageist with that category and it's so insane yeah it's mad and yeah i like you i still feel like i don't know i still don't really feel like an adult to be honest i'm just trying to like make my way through life really yeah no i mean i just recently turned 30 and i'm like i am 10 years old maybe nine in adult years yeah i have only just (laughs) developed consciousness (laughs) literally (laughs) i'm only a 10 year old adult (laughs) literally though (laughs) but there's one more thing that you said that i just want to touch on in saying that like the idea of wanting to like be raw like in your music still and like like sing about things that you're thinking about and that like pop songs don't only always have to be bangers i feel like there's also a lot to be said of kind of like having really thought-provoking lyricism over music that you can dance to in the club so it's like you go and dance to it in the club and then you go home and drunk you can cry to it in bed later and I feel like that's Mm -hmm. like my ideal music now at this age in my life absolutely yeah I love I love a a sad banger as we call them here (laughs) yeah definitely I think there's got to be two sides I wanted to just make a really like slow depressing album and then I listened to it and I was like no so then I put pop songs back on it and I, I feel like there's options (laughs) there's a little something for everyone exactly any time of day and with all that being said we do have your new album to look forward to elscar is going to be out on september 2nd and for all of you listening we're going to have all the links below so you can go check out nina's work and nina i want to give a big thank you for joining us today thanks so much for having me that was such a good conversation and i feel like i've learned even more about like the the process of becoming a public figure (laughs) which is really good and nice for us I think because I feel like there's always like so many questions we have when we do our episodes especially about like tabloid culture and being honest and vulnerable in music and stuff and she was so open and honest about like her experience of becoming a public figure so young um and what it's like being vulnerable in music after you know, an incident of a label being like, maybe we're not interested in you anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a nice thing about being able to interview artists is we get a whole different perspective that like you and I don't have on the industry journalism side of things. And so I think, you know, Nina just is like the most lovely person. So it's really amazing that she was able to share her story with us. Yeah. And it's so nice because at least for me, like I've listened to her music for quite some time and I've like followed her career and it's like kind of nice when you have like an idea of a person and they actually match up to that idea of them. And she was just like so sweet and so comfortable with being vulnerable, but also being like, ew, being vulnerable is gross, which I feel like we all kind of feel like, like, at least for me personally, like I always get so weird about it, but like we've gotten so used to doing this podcast that I'm like, oh, this is just my friends. I could be as weird and vulnerable as I need to be. <laughs> so it's nice that she feels like that with her music. And I'm like, okay, like we're not alone. Like it, it, yeah. it, it does feel foreign to like share that much personal stuff with 
essentially strangers, but like strangers you have a relationship with. A parasocial relationship with. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) So we hope you guys learned something today and we hope you guys go check out Nina's music if you haven't before. This album, I'm so excited for it. I've only heard a couple songs from like doing some YouTube searching, but she covers a lot of topics on Elskar that we discuss on this podcast. And as, as you all know, we always love a song version of our podcast. So like Jenna said, you can check out all of Nina's links in the show notes. So thanks for joining us on this bonus interview episode of Name Three Songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Nina Nesbitt. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about anything about Nina or the sources we talked about today, you can visit Name3Songs.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.